there. Welcome to Crazy Good God. I'm Nancy Teague, and thanks for listening. To know more about me, the Crazy Good God podcast, and the platforms for listening to it, go to www.crazygoodgod.org. In the previous episode, number six, we looked at our thoughts and mindsets about how far away God is. We even considered actual miles and locations of God. Today, we will have more understanding of why distance and separation has nothing to do with God. Now, some of you may ask, why am I so focused on distance, separation, relationship, closeness? What's the big deal? Because if you don't see the extreme close proximity, the nearness of God, you will continue to struggle in your relationship with Him and in life. Worry, fear, doubts will continue to bug you. You will find it hard to trust Him. You will question His goodness. You will become undone. Maybe you already are. In tragedies and disappointments and losses and pain, that comes your way, and they will, to all of us. Knowing who he really is and where he is will bring a confidence, an inner peace in you, just for being here on earth, going through difficulties, and being excited about what awaits you and your loved ones. Please know I don't have all my stuff together all the time, But having revelation of his extreme closeness everywhere gets me into his peace and rest a lot quicker. And I am so thankful for that. It also changes the way I pray and do life. Let's look at a few things as they relate to John chapter 1, verses 3, 4, and 5, which is what we're going to explore today. Who made everything? Who created the world and all that is in it? What are the two things this creator brought to men? Where did this maker manifest or show up? The first chapter of John is a beautiful chapter, and he unfolds the beginning of all things. John takes us deeper into what is spelled out in creation in Genesis 1 and 2 by showing the extreme nearness of God. So let's look quickly here at verse 1. Inside the beginning, the chief, the origin, the foremost, was the Word. Moreover, the Word was face to face with God. Indeed, the Word was God. Verse 2, the Word, Jesus, I am inside within the beginning. I am face to face with God. Those two verses remind me so much of the concentric circles that I had in that dream. I shared that in an earlier episode. Now to John 1, verses 3 through 5. Verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him, Jesus, was life, and the life, the word, was the light of men. Verse 5, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend. So verse 3, 
All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made. All things, every part, they were made, they came into being, which is the word ginemai. That's a big word in the Greek. The base of that word means finished. It means come into being, inborn, birth, origin, to emerge, to transition from one point or realm or condition to another. It's a change of place or state or condition. Hmm, I guess we could say that we are on a continual Genemai journey. From nothing, we were invisible, a gleam in God's eye, a precious thought in his heart, to life by happening with a micro-explosion hidden in the womb, to growth outside the womb, to death. Two, fullness of life. Now you want to focus on without, apart from him, nothing was made. Nothing came into being. Not one thing came into being without him. So the question is, who made everything? Who created the world and all that is in it? The word, Jesus. Now, can you imagine how Jesus and his father were hanging out? They had relationship. Here we have a doting father, a lively adoring son, and the free-flowing Holy Spirit interconnecting them all. They were having a grand old time. Jesus, the word in the beginning, totally invested in because he made everything. How can you separate Jesus from all of that? He's at the cellular, microscopic level. He brings life and light to all things. And I think that's why Jesus could even say, hey, the rocks will cry out. And in the Old Testament, the trees will clap their hands. My goodness, how alive is everything? When I say everything, I mean the whole cosmos. Scriptures also say that Jesus holds all things together that he fills all things. He sustains all things. Nothing can be apart from him. But in this mystery of intricate extreme connectedness, he still gave mankind the freedom to choose. And yet they chose us. They chose us first. They don't unchoose us. They are faithful and they are impartial. We really don't understand the fullness, the invasiveness of their choosing of mankind. Here's a wondrous explanation of the relational dynamic going on as mankind was made and even is made. Just think about that. Here's in Proverbs 8, verses 30-31. I was with him a master craftsman. I was daily his delight, his pleasure, his enjoyment. I was rejoicing and laughing and joking and playing and celebrating and smiling always before him. I was rejoicing in his inhabited world, and my delight and pleasure enjoyment was with, in nearness and companionship, with the sons of men. So here to think about this, that Jesus knew you before he formed you in the womb. The psalmist speaks of that in Psalm 139, 16. 
so he knew us before he formed us in the womb. We began in his heart, in the twinkle of his eye, in his idea, his imagination. He called us out of nothing and made visible something that was invisible. Before we be, and when we have our being visible, both times we were, we are in him. It is impossible to separate us from God. Now, some will say, well, what about sin? Yes, mankind can choose darkness. We have a free will. But guess what? The light shines in the darkness. No matter how messy our lives are, it's like he just can't stay away from us. So when it says that inside him was life and the life was the light of men, he's talking about a light that has a radiance, an illumination, a brightness. In 1 John 5.11, and this is the testimony that God has given us, eternal life, and this life is inside, within his Son. And then Jesus expands on that. In John 17.3, he's praying to his Father, and he says, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and indeed, moreover, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And when Jesus says, know you, in fact, some translations say, may know you, and a lot of us will look at that as a qualifier. Well, they might know you, and they might not know you. In the Greek, it's just that they know you. That's eternal life. They know you. And know in the Greek means to know especially through personal experience and to know one in his person, his character, his mind, his plans. So that says he's not going to hide anything from us. He wants to be known deeply. And Jesus calls him the only true God. And the Greek for true means real. It's an authentic unity between what is true and its source or origin. It means what is true inside and out. So Jesus said, this is eternal life, to know God and me. What does that mean? Seriously, I think we have to ask, what is eternal life? It is not heaven, according to Jesus. It is not endless time. Jesus says eternal life is all about knowing, having relationship, knowing deeply the Father and Jesus. It's about a quality of relationship. It's about fellowship and union. It's about knowing and experiencing from the inside out within Jesus, the Son. Remember that the life was the light, the divine radiance of men, male and female, of the world. It's really big in terms of knowing him. We want to limit who can know and say, well, yes, they should, or no, they shouldn't, based on our own judgments. We're beginning to see that the Trinity had relationship with us before we even knew that we did. God started it. We had nothing to do with it. 
He graciously, profusely brought his life and light to us. No strings attached. Well, where did the light show up then? And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend. And the shine is a present tense. It's not did shine, maybe will shine. It depends. I'm too angry at the darkness to even shine there. And it's not maybe when they repent, I will shine. The darkness did not comprehend his light. And the comprehend means to lay hold of, to seize or capture or overtake it, to grasp something in a forceful manner, making it one's own. Which you could say that no way the darkness is going to overtake the light. It is not going to own the light. Think of this. The word, the light, Jesus, God, shines in our darkness. They are not offended by our darkness. They are not stymied by our darkness. There's not like a, oh me, oh my, what are we going to do? Their divine presence in our darkness means there's no way man can be separated from God. One of the deepest mysteries of our being and theirs is their presence is in our dark places. But we can go, I'm not going into that dark spot in me. Are you kidding me? I've locked the doors. I pulled the blinds. I'm not going there, and nobody else is. Just stay out, okay? But guess what? The light is shining in that locked room that we just think, I'm not going there, and nobody else is. But Jesus is there waiting to set us free, not condemning us, not humiliating us, He understands our weakness. He carried all of our weakness. They designed and intentionally planned to share their fullness, their wholeness, their union with us. They know how to deal with our darkness. This extreme closeness, in light or dark, was done by them. We did nothing. So wrapping up here, the amazing truth that nothing can stop the light shining in the darkness is crazy. Who would have thought God wants to be there in our darkness? But it just shows how much he cares about us and came to set us free and make us whole. In the next episode, number eight, we're going to look at what Jesus became. Another truth in dismantling the mindset of distance and separation. So until next Wednesday, bliss to you, and never forget, he is absolutely crazy about you. (laughs) 